Morning Raleigh. It is Tuesday, November 27th, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. I'm DeAndre Jones. And I'm Jake Langwan. We thank you for tuning in. Tonight, Grant Buckner spoke with, with a local band, Eagle Down. It's always important to support local music. And Jake spent some time with the editor of the Nubian Message to speak about the paper's history here on campus. In addition, DeAndre has some advice on, t- on how to avoid getting sick during these cold winter months, especially as exams approach. It's never really fun getting sick. And last but certainly not least, Gene Zernow spoke with a local organization about modern slavery and the problems it presents right here in our own state. That, plus holidays of the week and community calendar as always. But before we get to that, let's turn to Jasmine Shepard for this week's weather. Jasmine, how's it looking? Hey, Jake, and welcome back, Wolfpack. It's about 48 degrees right now, a little chilly and slippery as well, as we've been experiencing rain throughout the day. Chance of rain is still at 50% for tonight, up until about 9 p.m., and the temperature is expected to drop down to 37 degrees. Tomorrow, the high is expected to be a little lower than today, as it's expected to be 55 degrees, but with sunny skies. That's something to definitely get excited about, along with the chance of rain at 0%. The low is expected to be 29 degrees tomorrow, so make sure you definitely have your jackets ready. Thursday, the high will be 56 degrees with a low of 33. Not too bad, as we'll be seeing some sunny skies and no rain. Friday's high will be 62, with partly cloudy skies and a low of 39 degrees. Chances of rain are once again at 0%, which is the perfect way to start off the weekend. Saturday, we're looking at a high of 63 degrees with a low of 39. Not too bad, but make sure you have your umbrellas ready because there's a 10% chance of rain. Skies will be mostly cloudy. Sunday, the high will be 64 degrees, and the low is expected to be right around 43. There's a 20% chance of rain, and we'll be seeing partly cloudy skies throughout the day. That's all for the Weather Wolf Pack. And remember, stay bundled up and be safe out there. Thank you, Jasmine. And now we turn to Andrew for the latest in the news. Andrew. Thanks, DeAndre. The remains of former Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat were exhumed today so that samples could be taken. A murder inquiry was started by France in August when significant traces of the radioactive element polonium-210 were found on his personal effects. The samples will be tested by Swiss, French, and Russian experts to determine if Arafat's cause of death was poisoning and not a stroke, as his medical records say. Also today, France announced their intent to vote for Palestine to join the UN on non-member status next week. Palestine currently has status as a permanent observer. Israel and the U.S. have announced their opposition to this upgrade. In Egypt, tens of thousands took to the streets in protest of President Mohamed Mursi's and the decree he issued last week, declaring no authority could revoke his decisions. The protesters accused Mursi's party, the Muslim Brotherhood, of betraying the 2011 revolution. One protester died of a heart attack after inhaling tear gas. And U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice admitted today that the original announcement of the Benghazi attack had been incorrect, but there had been no attempt to mislead the American people. Senators John McCain and Lindsey Graham have demanded a joint congressional committee to investigate the attack. And that's the news. Thank you, Andrew. The Nubian Message is the premier African-American student newspaper here at NC State. And this year, it turns 20. Jake recently sat down with the newspaper's editor to discuss the newspaper's history and future. I'm here with the current editor of the Nubian Message, Kara Leggett. Hi, everyone. Now, Ms. Leggett, for those of us that haven't read the newspaper, could you tell us a little bit more about the Nubian Message and the role it plays here at NC State? Sure. The Nubian was formed in 1992. There were a lot of racial events happening on campus and also at UNC Chapel Hill and, frankly, universities throughout the nation. And the Nubian was formed really out of strife. African-American students felt that they were being misrepresented in the media here at NC State and as a whole. And so they took it upon themselves to start their own newspaper. And Tony Williamson, he was founding editor of the Nubian. That first year, he funded a lot of the Nubian out of his own pocket. And they had they couldn't use resources here at NC State. They had to travel to North Carolina Central and Durham. It was pretty tough for them, but the and Nubian is still here. The Nubian has been printing continuously ever since? In 1994, the Nubian became an official publication of NC State. We then had a budget, an office, and resources to get the paper printed here at NC State. So ever since 1994, the Nubian has been printed weekly, and we come out every Wednesday. So how has the, the Nubian's message focus changed over the years, particularly after you took over as the editor? What, how has the focus changed? Well, definitely as a whole, things have improved for African-American students and all minority students on NC State's campus. So we're not so much of a the paper you come to anymore when you have a problem. We're covering all aspects of campus life. So as I've been editor, we've been able to focus a lot on hard news. In previous years, the Nubian, um, at times it could be more of like a cultural magazine, 
Um, but this year we've definitely tried to up the ante and include more news stories. What are some of the larger stories that the Nubian message has covered over the past couple of years, um, either before you were editor or since then? Well, this year we uh, covered a story about a local um, preacher in the Raleigh area that um, encouraged some voter encouraged congregants not to vote, and that was a big story on campus. And we also had, of course, the re-election of President Barack Obama. Um, last year, Trayvon Martin, that was a big story for the African-American community here. Would you guys say you have um, a very local focus, or do you guys cover stories from around the country, around the world, just anything to do with? It really depends on the story. I want to say we try to connect. We really worked this year on connecting the African-American community at NC State with the African-American community at other campuses. Um, we've partnered with the North, uh, the Campus Echo at um, UNC Central and also the A&T Register in Greensboro. Um, we've partnered with them to start this whole campus connection section of the newspaper. And once a month, we run a story from one of those newspapers, and they do the same. So I guess you could say it's more of a local. Um, mm-hmm. So you guys have definitely tried to reach out and connect with other African-American newspapers in the area? Definitely. I mean, that type of outreach and connection is very important. Mm-hmm. I understand the 20th anniversary celebration is approaching. Uh, it is very quickly. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about a little bit more about that? What what can we expect? Well, we actually have two events going on. The first is going to be a multicultural art and music festival, and it'll be happening tomorrow in Tally Ballroom from four to seven p.m. Um, we have ten performances scheduled: uh, AB the Best in Rizzio, Charisma. Some of the Greek organizations will be stepping. <clears throat> we also have some spoken word poets will be reciting some of their works. Later on that evening at 7 p.m. Um, in 126 of the Witherspoon, we're going to have a reception and um, previous staff members, old editors, are going to have the chance to come and just reflect on what the Nubian has meant to them and the role it has in our campus community. And we also have special guest speaker Barry Saunders who will be there for that as well. And this is open to everybody? This is open to everyone. If you were ever involved with the Nubian, it's highly encouraged that you come out and show some support. Okay, so from 4 to 7 tomorrow in the Tally Ballroom, the 20th anniversary of the Nubian Message celebration will be going on. Be sure and drop on by, right? That is right. All right. Thank you very much, Kara. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's always important to support local music, and KNC is particularly good at that. This week, Grant Buckner spoke with the local band Eagle Down. Hey guys, I'm in the studio with Eagle Down. So tell us your names. My name is Macon Adams. I'm the front man, do the lead vocals, guitar. And uh, I'm Joe Calston, and I play bass and backup vocals. For those who aren't familiar with you, tell us some about your music. I guess our sound is going to be changing kind of with who we are right now, but it's kind of like got this alternative kind of feel. I don't know what, I feel like everybody's got a different view on what we sound like, particularly, but I don't know, like who it's we It's like a progressive rock, I would say, kind of. Okay. I mean, that's, that's fair stuff. I guess yeah. that's fair. Progressive rock. That's pretty cool. You're saying that's like alternative stuff? Sort of, yeah. I yeah. know, like, for big influences, all of us are you know, big fans of Switchfoot, Kings of Leon, okay. that that kind of stuff. So those are like your influences. I mean, I listen to those a lot when I. I mean, I, I like I love those guys. Um, I listen to a little bit of everything, but you can really tell when you listen to our stuff. Those are big influences on in how I write my music. So cool. So how did you guys get started with your band? Well, me and Matt, that does the lead stuff, we grew up together through our home church. We we're originally from Cary, and just kind of hanging out through playing in the band through our youth group and starting out saying yeah i mean it'd be kind of fun as i feel like a lot of people do at that age where they want to do their own thing try writing some songs for fun or a hobby or what but um after a while we started really getting better and enjoying a lot more and we're like i mean we could actually do something with this and it kind of progressed from there joe came in about like a year or two ago um, about the same time our drummer dylan came in and People ask us when we started as a band, but to me and Matt, it's been a while, but really it's been a, about a year or so. Getting closer to two now, I think. Yeah. So Cool. So you guys played at King's Barcade on Saturday? Yeah, that was that was a great show. Yeah, it was a lot great, of fun. Great it was my time. favorite one so far, I think. Yeah, I definitely would 
want to play there again. So what is King's Barcade exactly? It's a small, small venue. I say small. It ha- It's like a 250, 300 person capacity okay. venue, like right there in downtown Raleigh. Is it Barricade? I it's I thought it was. It's Barcade. It is Barcade, okay. but I, I, was I thought at, it was. I was looking at it online because y'all's Facebook page, I saw a Barcade, and I was like, I don't know what that says. <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, we. I, I think we botched that part of it, but no, it is Barcade, but... Yeah, the the venue setup was ideal. I, the guys who mixed the sound were awesome. Yeah, it was a it was a cool place too. They have a pretty big bar, and then they had a really nice stage set up. And yeah, it was it was a cool place to play at. It was um, like right in the middle of downtown Raleigh too, which is cool. All right, like where at compared to something really close to Fayetteville Street, um, okay. Flying Saucer, right around there. Also, I mean, Raleigh Times is pretty close as well. Five minutes, you can walk to the APC Eleven. Right there, where everybody goes to that big wall of light or color, yeah. or whatever. So okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. What do you guys have coming up? Well, we've not got any shows planned, but we were talking just off the cuff, and we've been wanting to do this for a while, but hoping sometime, like tentatively, going to a studio during uh, Christmas time, and maybe we're getting a song or two in, and we had the idea of just going and making a whole CD, and maybe think- releasing like an EP. Yeah. So we don't know how that all is going to play out right now, but we'll uh, see how it all goes from there. Awesome. I listened to y'all's song, I Want to Know, yesterday for the first okay. time. Dug it. Yeah, um, when cool. did y'all record that? Well, that was... Um, That's one of our newer ones. We were just kind of at practice one day, like rehearsing for a show, and we were just kind of like playing around, and then uh, we were kind of like, oh, this is is pretty cool and so we just went with it. We ended up writing it all like that one day and then we recorded it like the next week. That was a, probably like four months ago. Yeah. That one actually kind of came up pretty pretty quickly too. Yeah. It's not like something that took a long time. I feel like for us the ones we really like are the ones that just kind of happened. Yeah. I think I think they're probably our favorites too. Yeah. So you say the music that you've done recently you like that more so than the stuff you yeah, yeah. Definitely. We were talking about how like a lot of the stuff in our set that we've been playing for a while, it's it's stuff that I had written a year or two ago, even three, um, and we're still playing them. They're still great stuff. We love them, but they don't really match exactly to us where we are right now as a mm-hmm. band. And I think, right. like we said, Joe said, and I want to know, and there's another one that we love called Take Me There. and um, We're going to have that one recorded soon, I think. Yeah. That's uh, one of the f- things we want to do soon. Well, I'm actually going to play I Want to Know. After this interview, anything you want to kind of say to people before they hear it? If you like it, (laughs) then please come to our shows whenever we have one next. I mean, hopefully check that out when it comes out and keep posted. Where can they find out when your shows are? We're on Facebook, MySpace. We also have a Pure Volume account, I believe. Uh, Well, I don't know if that's still running or not. We have a Bandcamp. I don't know if you guys have heard of Bandcamp, but that's a a big one. Are you guys on Twitter, too? Twitter, yep, you can find us there. I feel like there's, you can probably find us on just about any of them. So, okay, cool. They just search Eagle Down. Search Eagle Down, yeah. One word. One word, yeah. <laughs> that is the biggest nuisance. Yeah. <laughs> People have bought two words, so. Pure curiosity, why Eagle Down, if you don't mind sharing? Why Eagle Down? Well, when we first were finding the band, we honestly, we were like trying to find a cool name and okay. something that really worked together, but. I mean, a lot of us, a lot of who I, how I write, and you can tell the lyrics and music I write. A lot of my faith is involved with mm-hmm. with the music and like the Bible, where it says uh, in Isaiah, "Those trust in the Lord renew their strength; they'll mount on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint." But I guess to us, we see also that we are still human, and we're still down here going on a day to day basis. I mean, we're not perfect; we're not going to do always the right things. But that I think as every human is trying to do they're trying to do the right thing and that's kind of where it came from so awesome so the name of your band has to do with your faith yeah and you said your songs you can tell that yeah it's not that. like it's not like a you're a church band yeah you're, you're not just, like christian rock but it's you have your faith intertwined yeah yeah and i feel like a lot any, of people, any artist is going to pull all their life experiences when writing songs and i think that just kind of comes through in macon's writing you know yeah. you, you draw on what you know and what means a lot to you i mean i, we, I mean like we also like writing things are just for the fun of it and 
I mean, if we want to, like, blow off some steam and we're writing songs about that, or I'm sure there's one or two going to be coming about girls or something like that. <laughs> Are you going to write a song about girls? I don't know. It's a new thing I hear, so <laughs> we're going to try that. Maybe we'll get big by it. You guys are edgy. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Joe Costin and Megan Adams with Eagle Down. You can find them on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for being with us, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now here's a new song by Eagle Down, I Want to Know. Take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Sitting here today with two very important guests. They are the co-founders of the Shout to Stop Trafficking organization. And they are here to talk to us about the very relevant issue of human trafficking. Thank you guys so much for coming in. And could you start off by introducing yourselves? So, hey, I'm Adrian Miller, um, founder of Shout to Stop Trafficking. We're an international anti-human trafficking initiative. And we're headquartered here in Raleigh. We do uh, education advocacy, and we do some direct services with uh, human trafficking victims. Those are usually victims that are already in shelters. Um, but one of the things that we do do is work with an underserved population of victims, uh, and those are prostitutes, because people still view prostitution as a choice. And what I always say, if you're Julia Roberts in the movie Pretty Woman, and you say who, you say when, and you say how much, then that's pretty empowering. But if you're a prostitute working the street and you're having sex with 20 or 30 uh, men a night, it's not a good life to be in. We're also increasing our outreach to pimps. Because not a lot of people are uh, working with pimps. Um, and studies are suggesting that a lot of pimps and madams actually have been molested in early childhood. Not all of them, but there is an inference there. 
So I think it's worth investigating. Jerry, anything to add to that? I'm Jerry Miller, and I am working along with Adrian at Shout to Stop Trafficking. I am a pastor, so I am part of uh, Pastors Against Trafficking. I'm the director for that. And we're also trying to reach out to nonprofits, faith-based nonprofits especially, and to churches, and trying to make people aware of this issue and also let them know how they can get involved in this very important issue and topic as well. You mentioned that you did outreach to currently practicing prostitutes and pimps. Yeah, we're doing a lot of street outreaches to identify at-risk persons. And those don't necessarily have to be victims of human trafficking, but um, domestic violence or homeless. We're just trying to get out there and find out exactly who is on the streets and what their needs might be. We do give out um, bottled waters. We talk to people. Uh, We also give out hygiene items. Now, how would you define the term human trafficking? As in, what parameters are set for the scope of the term? It's really hard to track human trafficking victims because of the way it's identified or defined. But the way the government defines it is uh, a person that's involved in force, fraud, or coercion. Now, there's several types of trafficking. There's sex trafficking, and we hear a lot more about that. And then there's labor trafficking. There's two types of labor trafficking. Um, There's a coyote trafficking where you might pay a coyote, what they call a coyote, a person to bring you over the border for a price. Now, it may end once you get over the border, but sometimes it turns into sex trafficking. And then, of course, labor is when you're actually kidnapped or you're working in a farm and you're being exploited. A lot of labor trafficking is a lot of exploitation. So from what I gather, this is more of an international issue as opposed to a domestic one. Well, it is an international issue, but since domestic minor sex trafficking is the fastest growing segment uh, that's increasing in the United States every year, we have a problem here at home. Domestic minor sex trafficking victims are victims under the age of 18 uh, that are involved uh, or forced, what they call forced prostitution. What we say are there's no... What do, what do we there say? are no child prostitutes. There are only prostituted children. And and every year, uh, this has been document, documented by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And this is a conservative documentation. A 100,000 children every year are being kidnapped. And many of those are uh, put into the sex trafficking uh, uh, area. Uh, as well. So we have a great problem here within the United States. And uh, every year, the U.S. government says every year between 18 to 24,000 people are trafficked into the U.S. Uh, but also within the U.S., there are a lot more U.S. citizens being trafficked uh, every year than people who are being brought in. So That's it's nice. really, a, it's really here right in the United well, States. Well, and the United States government says there's, and the UN says this too, approximately one million people are transnationally trafficked around the world each year. And about 25% of those people end up in the United States. But if we're, what you're saying, Jerry, is that's not even included in, in the number for the whole world. So we're talking about these one million people that are at risk plus the people here in the United States are being trafficked. So it is on, it is on the rise. And, you know, human trafficking is being run by a lot of cartels now that are also involved in drug trafficking and smuggling. So it is an issue here at home, and we need to be, you know, human trafficking is modern-day slavery. It's more than a civil rights violation. It's moral injustice, and it has to stop. We have to say the buying and selling of human beings is not okay. Okay, and you mentioned earlier that North Carolina is sixth at risk for yeah, human trafficking in the, nation. in the nation. And what are the local laws regarding human trafficking in North Carolina? Okay, well, the federal law is the TVPA, and that was initiated in 2000 by the United States government, and that's the Trafficking Victims Persons Act. But here in in North Carolina, they've adopted some of what the TVPA has said, and they've adopted their own laws here. There's a number of statutes uh, pertaining to sexual servitude, uh, human trafficking. Uh, In North Carolina, we have some laws, but we really need to evaluate those and expand those because we need to go after, you know, a lot of times if a prostitute is arrested, she will be the one or he will be the one that goes to jail. And then the person who buys the sex, I call them a Jane if you're a girl and John if you're a guy, they get off. 
and, and I would love to start a John school here. Uh, that's I would just love to do that because we need to educate people that buying sex is not okay. And people view buying sex as a rite of passage. Well, I'm old enough I can buy sex. Well, but do you really want to buy sex with a girl or a guy? Because that person may be a victim of human trafficking. So I think that legislators here have address the issue but i think they're slow in implementing laws that could close some of the loopholes now the united states government and the state department have come out with tip now tip is trafficking in persons report for the whole world and they have ranked the countries uh the higher you are on the list the more you're at risk to traffic people and then a lot of that has to do with the prostitution laws but here in the united states we have adopted the tvpa and also the local laws we just need to clean some of these laws up go after some of the people that are the instigators of human trafficking isn't it currently illegal in the state of north carolina to buy sex well yes and then we're going back to this jane and john thing it's not enforceable as it should be do you understand what i mean so if a victim is say a person is a prostitute selling sex on the streets for wherever they're at raleigh or whatever um if they are caught if someone is caught buying or they're caught doing this pandering or whatever they can go to jail. And then they usually let them out. Oh, we'll just let you out. But see, that goes against their record. So what I want like them to do in the state of North Carolina is I would like them to say, prostitution is wrong, make a statement. Buying sex is wrong. And if you are caught buying sex, you have to go to jail. And the girl goes to jail, too. Now, in New York, I know Jerry and I were talking about this the other day. In New York and some other states, if you are an official victim of human trafficking and you are a domestic minor sex trafficking victim and you are arrested as a prostitute, they're letting those records be expunged because the girl can't get a job or the guy can't get a job because of the stigma of this. So I would love to see us tighten the laws and I would love to say us across the board, North Carolina, we don't want you to buy sex. It's wrong. So it's a legal gray area, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they'll go after you for prostitution, but are they really going to actually say, you know, okay, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a prostitute, and I'm going to arrest you and arrest everybody. I just don't, I think there's this assumption that it's okay to buy sex, and the girl goes to jail, and then the guy gets off. And it's the demand issue. If you reduce the demand, you'll reduce the issue greatly. And a lot of this has to do, once again, with laws. And if the laws were strengthened uh, to... uh, provide adequate consequences or strong consequences against those who are actually purchasing the sex, then that would greatly reduce the demand. And also for the pimps or the traffickers, if the laws continue to be strengthened, that that will have more teeth and hopefully that will cut down on uh, the actual trafficking of victims. And also, uh, if I could mention one other thing, in North Carolina, North Carolina is a, a Agriculture is a great industry in North Carolina, and I worked uh, a number of years ago with seasonal farm workers. At that time, I didn't really know about the issue of human trafficking, but I realized that there was human exploitation taking place, and possibly there could have been human trafficking taking place there as well. So you have, in North Carolina, you have a lot of seasonal farm workers that are uh, being trafficked. Also, you have those who are restaurant workers, and also those who are uh, domestic workers. Uh, They could be working in the hotel industry, or they could be working as nannies, uh, things like that. So you you see that kind of uh, labor trafficking as well. Yes, I definitely agree that this is a legal issue. But I was also wondering whether or not the social perception of human trafficking and maybe the perception that human trafficking victims are not indeed victims helps contribute to fuel this vicious cycle. Well, I think that's really good and that's very insightful of you because people still view buying sex is okay it's a rite of passage but we don't think about the victim in all this and a lot of people say how could a prostitute be a victim they're willing to sell themselves some are and some are not and studies have suggested that a lot of prostitutes have early childhood sexual experience and some of them are raped and molested and that could be a way in which they enter into prostitution dealing with certain prostitutes they'll call me and say well i need to enter the life again because of the economy so for some of the prostitutes, it's an economic issue, regardless of what, how they are feeling emotionally or what's happened in their lives. Do you think the issue stems from the fact that people living in a country such as the U.S., where the entire foundation of our doctrine and lifestyle is liberty and freedom, and people assume that everyone has the same liberties as them, but 
that's not the case. Sometimes people are manipulated or threatened into doing things that they are not willing to do or things that they would not usually be willing to do. And maybe it's a result of economic or environmental stressors or coercion, blackmail, whatever the case may be. People just need to realize that the situation is different from everybody and that people are victims in the situation. Well, and, you know, for victims of human trafficking, I've heard people say this. What did they do to get themselves into that? Well, they must have been having this at-risk lifestyle, but that's not true. You know, some victims of human trafficking may have been prostitutes initially, and they may have been forced after a certain time, and then they become a victim of human trafficking. But we can't always say that a prostitute is willing. You know, so if people, if people are going to buy sex, and that is their choice, then they need to ask themselves, is this person a willing participant? Are there international programs where they tell you, oh, you can come to America, learn English, travel and work, but it's actually an exploitation scheme for their labor? Oh, yeah, we see that all the time. And like you said, Jerry, in the hospitality industry, I'm not saying everyone that works at a hotel is being trafficked or exploited. I'm not saying that. But certain occupations like overseas, a lot of them are models, come to the United States, be a nanny, um, come to the United States and work in, in, in Las Vegas. And I'm not picking on any particular state, but some of those people that are labor trafficked are living in those areas where there's a high incidence of agriculture or there's a high incidence of hospitality where they're enticed to come here. Now, see, um, part of the TVPA, which is our national uh, trafficking law here in the United States, it says force, fraud, or coercion. So you could be coerced here easily. Hey, I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to get paid $15 an hour. Like in the agricultural industry, sometimes I'm not saying every agricultural person that works, that's a what they call a migrant worker, is exploited. But sometimes they're promised 6 or $7 an hour, and they only get a dollar or two. So that's an exploitation. So I think extreme exploitation can lead to this, you know, extreme manipulation, which can lead to human trafficking. So, yeah, definitely. I think there are some industries that definitely lead themselves to human trafficking. Gateways, at least. How would you identify an at-risk individual for human trafficking? For human trafficking? Well, if that person is a domestic minor uh, and they're engaged in the commercial sale of sex, that would be an indicator for me. If I saw someone, which this happens, uh, you see someone that's uh, not of age, dressed maybe to attract attention, I might say to that person, you know, hey, how are you doing? And they would probably, and I will tell, I say this to people all the time, a real victim of human trafficking has a watcher at all times. If they're working the street, someone is watching for that person and if you engage them in a way that's not going to be for enterprise, like I'm not going to give you $5 for a sexual act, then someone would see that and they would break that up right away. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They have watchers all because this is international crime. I mean, human trafficking is slated to be the second international crime to drugs by the year 2015. And in some areas, it already is. If, if there's a minor and I might see that she's being watched and you can tell they'll usually look around like you you need to do business or you need to leave right now that would give me a clue that maybe she was being watched and that person would be a victim of human trafficking now street prostitutes it's harder to get to the story on that but we can't just constantly say that every prostitute is doing it because she likes it so i might try to examine you know how are you doing do you need anything here's a bottle of water and then that may start us peeling the layers off you know and of course the the national trafficking victims hotline is one eight eight eight. 37378888 it's got the four numbers in the middle so it's easy to remember that's staffed 24 hours a day by people who speak many languages so i always give them a card here's my number which i don't use my name i use a street name um here's my number uh call if you need something and if you really want it to be free you can call 911 or you can call this trafficking hotline and they'll get you some help and those who are being trafficked uh, they're being moved uh every so often from one city to another right. and the different traffickers they will they will sell their people to another trafficker and there there is a known circuit this is according to law enforcement there's a known circuit around the US that these these uh uh, people who are trafficked uh, travel mm-hmm. um and also uh and also there are uh, different ways that you may be able to identify a person if they don't know where they're at uh, if they don't know um, um, what 
month it is, yeah, what time of the year it is, um, if they don't have certain documentation, mm-hmm. you be- you can begin to assume that there may be something going on here, that this person may be in some kind of a, a situation where they're being exploited or they're being trafficked. Now it's harder to spot. Um, a lot of times they say you have to look beneath the surface now. What's happening with prostitutes is because this is more of an international cartel kind of thing, they actually load the girls or the guys. Um, sex trafficking for men is on the increase. Um, so people think it's just prostitutes or are women, but there's also men, male or transgender prostitution is on the rise too. But a lot of times they'll have a tractor trailer rig or they'll have a van. And they work a certain area for an hour or two and then they'll move to another part of the city or they'll do it for a day and then they'll get in the car or the truck and they'll go to the next place because they don't want to be seen all the time. The the police know what's going on a lot of times and they'll see what's happening and they usually move the women around on a circuit. That's why it's really hard sometimes to see prostitutes in our city. Definitely. And what demographic of people would you say is most at risk for human trafficking? You mentioned a lot of child trafficking, but is everyone at risk? Well, the average age of entry into sex trafficking is is uh, getting uh, lower and lower, and that's between 12 and 14. So we definitely know that there are a lot of... Uh, Children, I, I would say children that are at risk. And a lot of times there are those who are coming from dysfunctional homes and they may not be able to tolerate or they don't think they can tolerate what's going on at home. So they run away. And this is a proven, uh, proven fact that within 48 hours of, of a child running away from home, they are at risk of being trafficked. And that's seen over and over again. And also you have those uh, students, those children who are loner types, they're having trouble at home or trouble at school. And, uh, if they go to the mall, they're by themselves. Yeah, the mall, some, someone will, someone will approach them and they will make them, uh, say, they may, may say, oh, you look very nice. So, uh, they'll try to, uh, approach them in some way to make them feel better yeah. and then that sort of hooks them in and that person will befriend them and sometimes that it may appear to be a girlfriend boyfriend situation and it may go on for a number of weeks or a number of months and then eventually this person may say well you know what I'm short on money and I need you to help me to make some money so you can can you do this for me if you really love me you will you do this for me tonight and so that that's a that's a, a way that they are, they are, it's called grooming. And it's it, called pimp grooming. Yes. And it gets them ready for that next step. So this can be a, a, a long-term kind of grooming process. And once again, I'm so concerned, and Adrian is too, about children. So we, we also work with uh, other organizations that are um, anti-child abduction organizations. And we work uh, with this, these organizations to have awareness events. And also uh, we go to different um, locations where families, we have child ID events. Thank you so much for coming in, guys. Now, before we wrap up, is there anything you would like to add for our listeners? Maybe someone who would like to get involved? Well, I guess if people wanted to get involved in anti-human trafficking and abduction, we are pro-prostitute, but we are anti-prostitution. <laughs> so those are some of the areas we work in, and we would love to link up um, you know, with people. And Pastors Against Trafficking, Jerry, I'm so glad that you were here today talking to pastors uh, and, and you know, speaking to people who and, may want to build churches, that network. Oh, we really appreciate it. And we would love to know if people would like to get involved. Um, there are people here we're working with at NC State. Uh, if they want to give us a call, uh, 919-846-6773. They can also email us uh, at um, shoutstop at bellsouth.net. Shout and the number two. So shout to stop at bellsouth.net. Okay, thank you so much for coming in and informing us about this issue. Thank you for caring about this issue. I really appreciate that. the height of flu season right now and is uh, as is often the case with large groups of people spending lots of time near each other and see state it can often be easy to get sick and getting over an illness is never fun as deandre jones can attest to it got him thinking how can one safeguard against getting sick or what should you do if you fall ill with exams around the corner that's the last thing anybody needs
Hello all, the seasons are in full swing right now, trying very hard to make your life miserable. You all didn't know this, but for the last week or two, I've been fairly under the weather. So tonight, I'm bringing you all tips about what diseases go around college campuses the most, and how to avoid them and slash or treat them if you already have them. And if you do, I'm sorry for you. I definitely feel your pain right now. So, just a little information about the seasons changing and what it has to do with sickness. Interestingly enough, the temperature change itself does not have anything to do with the influx of people getting sick around this time. Ironically, the reason for that is that people spend more time inside now, especially in colleges and whatnot, because it's cold. And with that happening, indoors becomes sort of a breeding ground for germs and whatnot. And because of that, it gets really easy for you to get sick. So, starting off, we have the upper respiratory infection, or as most people will call it, the cold. That's what I've been fighting with for the past week or two. Although something that happens fairly frequently throughout the college, it can be severely debilitating, I assure you. This is typically the most widespread illness among campuses. Symptoms can include a runny nose, cough, sore throat, congestion, watery eyes, sneezing, fatigue, fever, mild body aches, the whole nine yards. And unfortunately, since a cold is a virus, antibiotics will not cure it. Colds just have to run their course, and that can sometimes take up to 14 days, as it did with me. To help it along, if you already have it, drink plenty of fluids, rest as much as possible. Gargling with warm salt water will definitely help your throat. Take some over-the-counter medication, such as nasal decongestants and ibuprofen. To avoid getting this disease, make sure to wash your hands after touching surfaces. Make sure that you're not drinking after people, and that you're just being aware of what your surroundings are. Next, we have influenza, commonly called the flu. This disease is really unique in that if one person gets it, it can spread like wildfire and it can go from one person to 2,000 people in a very short amount of time. Uh, flu symptoms include body aches, chills, dry cough, fevers usually from 102 to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. And if you have never had a fever that high, believe me, it's something to be reckoned with. Sore throat and a stuffy nose. Unfortunately, like the cold, it's a viral infection, so it cannot be treated with antibiotics. Another similarity with the cold is that treating it is pretty much letting it run its course, resting as much as you can, drinking plenty of fluids, and taking ibuprofen to ease the discomfort. Also, another thing worth mentioning is the H1N1 virus, or the swine flu as it was commonly called. It is no longer considered to be a pandemic like it was in fall of 2009. However, it does affect more younger people our age than the seasonal influenza virus. These symptoms can include fever, cough, sore throat, body aches, headache, chills, and fatigue. And in adults, emergency warning signs that need urgent medical care are difficulty breathing, pain or pressure in the chest or abdomen, sudden dizziness, confusion, severe or persistent vomiting, and other flu-like symptoms that improve but then return with fever and a worse cough. If you show signs of having the flu, you need to stay at home or in your dorm room until 24 hours after your fever has subsided. It's better for you and your roommate to have the disease than you go around and spreading the disease to more people. We have mononucleosis, or mono, and this is one of the worst illnesses that spread among college campuses because it lasts for such a long period of time. It's often referred to as the kissing disease because it can be spread this way. However, kissing is definitely not the most effective way that this virus gets spread around. Uh, it is more commonly spread by coughing, sneezing, and sharing drinking glasses, which I've seen a lot of people do and am guilty of doing myself. Symptoms of this include fatigue, weakness, sore throat, fever, Swollen lymph nodes in the neck, swollen tonsils, headache, skin rashes, loss of appetite, and abdominal pain. This is also a virus. Once you have it, your body has to recover. You've, you've got to take it easy. Most symptoms will ease within a few weeks, but it, it can take up to a couple of months before you feel completely back to 100%. So the best way to avoid this is just to be very careful about who you share drinks with, especially on a college campus when you will be going to parties every now and then. And at parties, it is really common to just take a sip of someone else's drink. But just be very aware of who exactly you are sharing drinks with. And I guess if you want to be cliche, who you are kissing. The stomach flu is another really common one. Symptoms include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal cramps, and maybe sometimes a low fever. It's another virus. Unfortunately, most of these are viruses. And the reason that viruses are so prominent is because they can't be treated with antibiotics. Uh, drinking a lot of clear liquids, eating unfortunately bland foods like crackers or pretzels will help. And be sure to avoid dairy products. Another really easy one to catch is conjunctivitis, which is commonly referred to as pink eye. Symptoms of this include eye irritation, redness in the white part of the eyes, discharge from the eyes, swollen eyelids, and light sensitivity. The leading cause of pink eye is from a viral infection, but it can also be caused by a bacterial infection, an allergic response, 
or irritation from environmental factors. If you've been touching a lot of things and rubbing your eyes, the bacteria can cause pink eye. Treatment of this is mostly centered around getting artificial tears and eye drops and things like that. It, it'll ease discomfort, but pink eye is another one of those things that has to run its course. Last but definitely not least, we have meningitis. And this is most often caused by bacterial or viral infection. If it is bacterial, you've lucked out because you can take antibiotics for it. Um, it can also be caused by a fungal infection, reactions to certain medications or medical treatments, inflammatory diseases, some types of cancer, and slash or traumatic injury to the head or spine. Symptoms often resemble those of the flu and may include high fever, severe headache, stiff neck, rash, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, and confusion. And if you notice these symptoms, you should definitely seek some medical treatment. If not treated early, meningitis can lead to death or permanent disabilities. It's definitely no joke. College freshmen, especially those who live in dorms, are at a slightly increased risk for bacterial meningitis. The American College Health Association recommends that all first-year students living in residence halls receive the meningococcal vaccine and that other college students 25 years of age should choose to receive the meningococcal vaccination to reduce their risk for the disease. Like I said, be careful out there with what you're doing, with who you're sharing drinks with, and what germs you're catching, because believe me, you don't want to be in my position, and I know that a lot of you already are in my position. For those that are going through this right now, I feel sorry for you. I feel your pain. Take lots of ibuprofen. Remember to stay healthy out there, Wolfpack. For Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. It may be that weird time of year in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but that doesn't mean there aren't still holidays out there. What should we be celebrating, DeAndre? Well, uh, today is Pins and Needles Day, November 27th. And uh, interestingly enough, this holiday was to commemorate the opening of the pro-labor the pro labor, uh, play called Pins and Needles in 1937. It was a play that promoted... Uh, you know, moral labor amongst um, through the, throughout the country. and uh, But over the decades, of course, you know, that meeting has sort of been lost. Now, I guess people just sort of do this as a, um, like, as a day to commemorate people that are really anxious <laughs> and are constantly on pins and, ne- pins and needles and to encourage them to relax. Funny how it falls on the day before, the week before exams. Yeah. Very appropriate. I, you know, actually, yeah. I, I did not make that connection. You're, yeah. Uh, but everyone on <laughs> campus right now is celebrating that day. <laughs> celebrating that day for the next two weeks mm-hmm. um so tomorrow is the red planet day mars good job <laughs> all right mars. yeah um, it's mars and interestingly enough um a little fun fact it is referred to as the red pl- the red planet because it appears red in color however um whether it actually looks red from from afar or not is like sort of debated because um the old the old um Telescopes and things like that. The lenses, the lenses, the lenses were all the lenses, lenses. I cannot say that. The lenses <laughs> were all slightly tinted red uh-huh. when they were taking pictures. So the planet seemed more red than it actually is. So. Well, if you look at it in the sky, it definitely looks. Yeah, red. It definitely. It does, it does definitely look red to sure. like to the naked eye. So, mm-hmm. um, so Red Planet Day is today because um, it commemorates the launch of the spacecraft Mariner Four on November twenty eighth, nineteen sixty four. And that's important because on the 228th day of the mission of Mar- of the mission, the Mariner Four uh, got within 6,000 miles of Mars. Oh wow! So that's uh, a feat. Neat story. So uh, November 30th, which is this Friday, is a stay at home because you are well day. This Friday? Yes. It's a <laughs> it's a day to I guess commemorate being you know being healthy being well and if you are give yourself a break and okay. if you're not I guess you should it's the last day of classes people really can't afford that yeah this is irresponsible I <laughs> think we should promote hooking <laughs> no go to class Maybe, on Friday okay, so, so we can so we can we can exercise extreme caution with this and that if you can miss things then do I don't know but if you can't then like no. don't be skipping yeah. work and things like that. <laughs> maybe maybe get your shift covered responsibly. <laughs> Good job. Be responsible. Okay. Next. December 1st is AIDS Awareness Day. It's important. It is important. Um, each year, over 40,000 new cases are reported in the U.S. alone. Hmm. So, um, you know, learn more about HIV and AIDS, promote education, help people with AIDS if you can, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, donate to the cause. And so, yeah, just be aware that, just be aware uh that AIDS exists and that you should be cautious about it. Okay. Then. Next, December 2nd, it is National Fritters Day. 
and I am really excited about that. Fritters. Fritters, yeah. Do you know what fritters are? Well, well, why don't you explain it? Okay. For people that don't know what fritters are, they are defined as um, any fried cake or dough with fruit or meats inside. Fruit or meats. Meats. I've never, yeah. I've never heard of that. You can have, you can have like, uh, you can have like, you know, beef fritters or like steak fritters and things like that. You guys, wow. you, you got to step your fritter game up. <laughs> get, get some culture in us. <laughs> so yeah, eat some fritters on December second, and on December third, it is National Roof Over Your Head Day. Well, I guess we can all be thankful we all have a roof exactly. over our head. Exactly, and uh, you know, falls pretty close to Thanksgiving, so you know, just don't don't forget everything that you have and. How lucky you are to have it, because you know a lot of people don't have it, and things like things like that. Sure. Um, so, you know, and, and that's about all we have. All right. Well, thank you, DeAndre. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to see what's happening on NC State in this week's community calendar. So you can see. Here's what's going on at NC State. Check out NC State's own collegiate a cappella group, Grains of Time, tomorrow at 7 p.m. in Stewart Theater of Tally Student Center. Go online for ticketing information. University Theater will be presenting Alice in Wonderland tomorrow and Thursday, November 29th at 7.30 p.m. and again on Saturday and Sunday. Go online for more showtimes and for ticketing information. Head on down to Witherspoon Student Cinema on Thursday at 7 p.m. to see Disney's Toy Story free of charge. After Toy Story, stick around to see The Bourne Legacy for $2 with a valid student ID. The Bourne Legacy will continue to be shown throughout the weekend, as well as Toy Story, so go online for more showtimes. On Friday, November 30th, the Campus Bookstore will be holding their annual finals madness sale. Take 40% off all regular and clearance merchandise at the NC State Bookstore, starting at 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Also on Friday, come celebrate 125 years of NC State in Stewart Theater at 7 p.m., with performances by guest vocalists, university theater students, the NC State Jazz Combo, Grains of Time, and Pipes and Drums. The evening will conclude with a special performance of John Rutter's Magnificent Gloria, featuring the state choral with brass, percussion, and organ accompaniment. On Saturday, November 1st, head to the Tally Ballroom at 9 p.m. for the 90s Throwback Bash, hosted by the Inner Residence Council. Come dressed in your favorite 90s-themed outfit or cartoon character. There will be lots of 90s-themed music, games, food, and activities. And finally, on Monday, December 3rd, check out the Craft Stress Buster at the Craft Center starting at 9 p.m. for a free late night evening of freshments and therapeutic art activities aimed at relieving end-of-semester stress. No early registration needed. For more information on these events and more, go to ncsu.edu forward slash calendar. For On the Triangle, I'm Grant Buckner, 88.1 UKNC. about wraps up all we got you got for you guys this week a big thanks to jasmine shepherd andrew eichen gene Zhenoff, and grant buckner for their contributions this week we'd also like to thank Kara leggett and jerry and adrian miller for taking the time to sit down with us from all of us here at eye on the triangle we thank you for tuning in and as always if you heard anything you liked you hated or anything that just made you think let us know on our facebook page you can also follow us on twitter at wknc underscore eot also be sure to check out also be sure to check out our blog at wknc.org good luck with with the studying wolf pack and until next week good night